heartache. It's everywhere that you go. Everywhere that you go. You try <laughs> everything you can to escape the pain of life that you know. When all else fails and you long to be something better than you are today. I know a place where you can get away. It's called the dance floor. And here's what it's for. Come on, come on, vote. Let, Let your, your body, body move, move to, to the, the music. music. Hey, 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 hey. Is that what you said? <laughs> yup, yup. Come I on, vote. Is so long. <laughs> Let your body go with the flow. You know no, you, you can, can do, do it. Oh, girl, I got to do this one part. I got to do this one part. You know this part I got to do, uh-huh. girl. You know what part I got to do, girl. Get it. Okay, okay. What's the part? Okay. Oh, you're so yes. silly. I yeah. know. Do it, sis. Grace <laughs> Kelly, Harlow Jean, picture of a beauty queen. Jean Kelly, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, dance on air. They had style. They had grace. Rita Hayworth gave good face. Lauren Catherine, Lana too. Betty Davis, we love you. Ladies with an mm. attitude, fellas that uh-huh. were in the mood, don't you stand uh-huh. there, let's get to it. Strike a pose, there's nothing to it. Vogue, 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 Vogue. You know that song, Carl. You know, you know it. <laughs> it's so stupid. Miss Madonna's Vogue. What year is that? 1990. Like a good 90s. 1990, girl. 1990. Which is also the same year that Paris is Burning, the documentary on... You know, the ballroom mm-hmm. community in New York City came out. They came out the same Imagine year as Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Madonna having voguing and, you know, this community. I mean, but Mad- we always knew Madonna was that girl to steal some shit. But she's just that kind of queen. I will say, oh. she is that girl because she was definitely a big appropriator. Like, she was... She, but you know what I will say? She did have the House of Extravaganza. They choreographed it for her, the video. Yes. You know, yes, and yes. so... Yes, Miss Willie Ninja. Miss Willie Ninja. So, oh, oh, you're talking about again. Oh, I think about Willie Ninja did a lot of choreography, too. For oh, her. okay. Well, I know yeah. for this particular song, she had the someone from Extravaganza do it. Oh, yes. Um, I can't remember who it was. But yeah, they were in they were in the video. But then I know, like, on, like, other um, tours and stuff, she worked with Willie Ninja. Yeah, so. yeah. I remember her working with Willie Ninja. I don't know if I told the girls this, but... Back mm-hmm. when I was in New York in the summer of 2006, Uh-oh. I was interning. You was going to the house, see? You was going to the balls. I wasn't. Was going to the balls. I wasn't actually. No, I was just <laughs> I, at this. Like, I didn't think you were. I just turned 20. Like, I, my birthday is kind of at the end of May, like around Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I literally, mm-hmm. I turn um, 21, like, like on Memorial Day weekend. And then by like Damn. the Monday, I mean, like, I turned it maybe on the Friday of Memorial Day that year. And then like on mm-hmm, Monday, mm-hmm. on Memorial Day, I moved into my apartment. So I was a brand new 21-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. And, and get it bust down. Yes. And mm-hmm. Contessa used to come up to New York and stay, stay with, I think. And then um, so did MJ. Mm-hmm, Malcolm MJ girl. Harris was in Philly that summer. She used to come mm-hmm, up to New York. Mm-hmm. And then the girls would come and stay with me and we would just get down. And it was one of the clubs that... Um, I used to frequent. I actually went by myself that day. I actually ran into, you know, another the girl. Remember that girl who stayed in your apartment who you had to kick out because you was worried about what she was going to do in your apartment. <laughs> that girl we went to school with. Remember yes. Her? Well, yeah. I ran into her Where's at the, the club. Going? I ran into her in the club that day. Anyway, it was the same uh-huh. day, but it was I would gag. One of Madonna's backup dancers who was on tour, I was just like dancing with him. He was cute. He was like kind of like Indian. He was like some kind of ethnic, Ooh. like. I think it was Indian, okay. I mean, like like Indian, like East Indian, right? 
And so, yes. um, not Indian Dot. I wasn't about to say Indian Dot, but like I wanted to Girl, distinguish. Anyway, so he was super fine body for days, and I was just dancing with him and talking to him. He ended up. He was one of. He was. He was there on tour with Madonna. He was one of her backup dancers. Oh wow! Yes, and we were Did talking, you get the D? and he was like twenty. I was twenty one. He was like twenty four, twenty five. Damn, and girl, that's perfect. He was, it was you didn't perfect, do nothing with him, but did because you? I was so in love with that college boyfriend, I didn't give nobody. Oh, the, I don't want to hear the, I didn't I don't get, hear the rest I didn't of this story. I didn't throw it at nobody that summer. I didn't throw it at nobody else that summer. Over it. What a waste in New York. It was Damn. I had waste of some good twenty one year old bussy. Really good wasted. dick that summer, and I didn't throw it at nobody. In fact, mm. I locked niggers mm. out of my apartment and shit so they wouldn't get in <laughs> and try to dig me down. It was crazy. <laughs> It was yeah. like that, it girl. Like you locking that. the dick out. I was locking the locking dick out. Locking the D away. This guy, this really mm. fine, gorgeous man who was a JAG. He was a JAG attorney. Chocolate, super fine chocolate in Cuban. For the girls who don't know, JAG is like, you know, the lawyers for the lawyers it, the for the military. Um, he was the military. Uh, he was in like marines. Marines, I think. It okay, was. it's like lawyers. And that was wild. <laughs> the military How I lawyers. Met that girl, that was so wild. Oh my god, that was wild that summer. But anyway, I was. I knew he was something. Like he was so fine. He was so in himself. He would say. He would say like I'm so. F-, he would tell me that he was so fine that he should be on billboards. And he was really fine. Like I gotta give. To, he's oh, probably I, that turns me off. I don't care if a man is that fine. I don't. It, it's like ugh, that's too that's that's when it's like your confidence is now arrogance it's like that's not attractive exactly so and that's i kind of felt it. that way too i even knew that at 21 but like he was so mm-hmm. fine he was probably like i was 21 he was maybe like he was somewhere between 28 and 33 i don't remember like what mm. he was but he was so fine he was he's probably still the finest guy i've ever dated in terms of like face and everything still to this day anyway he but i knew someone wasn't right about him so there i lived i had an apartment in the bronx in the hood and there were a bunch of buildings that looked just like mine right around mine it was like kind of like almost like a complex or so i had him pick me up he had a he had a car i had him pick me up at a building near Mm. mine and this is a trick i used to do even when i moved to dc after college i used to do this too (laughs) i had him i stood outside of a building near mine had him pick me up from there and then, because he had, like, a government car he picked me up in, and we went to the city, and he parked or whatever. And then I took the subway back home. I didn't let him drive me home, because I knew he was trying to get in, get in that coochie way. So, like, I separated with him from the night. He was upset. He wanted to come up there and and smash, and I wasn't smashing anybody, because I was still in love with, you know, you know who, from school, from college. And so he said, I'm going to come in there and I'm going to rape your ass. He's, he sent me this crazy oh, text message, crazy text message. And I was like, well, you don't even know where I live. And he said, yes, I do know where I live. He said crazy stuff. And this, mind you, this is a military lawyer. He's, oh, my God. Mm. I said, you don't even know Power where I live, hunger. nigga. You don't even know where I stay at. And he said, yes, I do know where I stay because I picked you up. And I said, well, I had you pick me up from the wrong building, dummy. Ew. Yes. Take that lesson, girl. He was pissed. That's he, how you do it, sis. Because I didn't let him hit. He was pissed. Oh, my God. That was crazy. Wow. It's, you know. But, yeah, welcome to Two Safe Queens, girls. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to Two Safe Queens. One of the few places in the pods where, where you can hear a conversation about politics, dick, and how girls almost get raped because, you know, men be chasing after that bussy, especially when you turn 21. Yeah. They just don't know how to take it. Yeah. 
Um, I'm Miss Malachi, and I'm joined by no longer 21 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Plus 15, plus 15 type of two, But I will say, still a great um, aficionada, a consumer of luxury, of fashion, of um, the high life, the nice life, the good life. Um, I think you've always liked, had um, good taste and liked nice things. And I think that remains to be true. Don't you, girl? I think so. I think back then, actually, oddly enough, when I, it's weird because I like have more. You were mo- more of a label girl. I'm more, more of a label and I have, queen. I have more money now. It's so weird, but I spend it like on travel. There's still so. some things you are very label about. Or it's like you judge. I will say, you know what it is? It's like, I think you don't necessarily deck yourself out in labels, but you do still judge other girls on what labels they pick. You're like, oh, girl, don't do that, that, do that one. Well, do, you know. what I'll say is like, okay, for instance, like you were talking about you wanted a clutch, right? I still do. And I was like, you were talking <laughs> I about, I was like, oh, well, you got to get a YSL clutch, of course, right? Mm-hmm. And and you were like, well, I don't know if I want to spend that much money. I may get a Kate Spade or a Tory Burch. And I'm like, girl, that's late. For my first bag. No. I don't mind spending the money, but I was like, for my first bag, I was like, oh, should I spend? Because especially if I've never had a clutch before, had a clutch like that before, I was like, oh, should I spend that much money? And you're like, well, it's timeless, girl. So it'd be worth the investment. Exactly. Like, because my mom is like someone, that girl, you know, has a little bit of coin and she will not spend money on stuff like that. <laughs> not a little bit of coin. So, you know, I bought her a YSL. Like, I bought her a YSL crossbody or I bought her a Gucci purse. Like, because mm-hmm. I don't, she is a reflection of me. If my mom is walking around in a Dooney and Burke, I'm late. I'm late. Like oh don't do not that. Just her. I'm not late Burke, too. Girls. Not no, the, I'm because oh, I'm coming at the Dunian Burke. You know. Oh no. wait. How how you feel about Longchamp? Longchamp. Oh well, yeah. I bought her Longchamp fifteen in two thousand five. Okay, cool. Because I know France. some girls rep Miss Longchamp. I yeah, see Longchamp is cute too. for a big bag just to have a little like carry bag for like you know what I'm saying. So funny. But like you know, I couldn't have my mom in no Dunian Burke because that's late. Like. And I don't want her, she's a reflection of me. So, like, you know, how does that look? So I had to get her a YSL, you know? And it, because, so she wouldn't wear the YSL all the time. I had to buy her Gucci, too, to make, and I make her alternate so nothing becomes too common. You know what I'm saying? Like, Ooh. you can't, you know what I'm saying? It's just, a, you got to be a certain type yeah. of girl. But it's weird because she was, you know, when she was indulging me in high school and college with, you know, buying, you know, Xenia and Armani. And, you know, we used to take shopping trips to New York together. Like in yeah. 1998 and 1999, I'd be, I'd be even in middle school and in high school, 2000, 2001, 2002, we would do like, you know, a weekend shopping trip to New York and I would mm-hmm. shop down, down. And really she would hardly buy anything. Like it would really just be well, me. Know, she probably was just, she's probably paying for your shit, yeah, girl. Yeah, that's what it was in part two. <laughs> that's mother take but care my of dad, my dad would give oh. me money before those shopping trips too sometimes. But like, okay. but it was, you know, but shopping down. I mean, I was like the Neiman Marcus salespeople here in Michigan. Mm. They knew me in high school. I was that oh. girl. I was that girl. I was like, way I wish you would be time. that girl. I want to see you be that girl again. I really you know, do. I don't even know if I'll may- be that girl again. I don't. I don't think. Oh so. well, let well, let's talk about the. I mean, because maybe as we talk about this girl, cause I feel like she's a little bit of inspiration. But remember, I had. Um, a, I don't know if you remember. I did, but my like my main little like messenger bag that I wore. It was a Prada messenger bag in college that I used to wear. Yes, you know, yes. and I just was that girl. Prada. I was. I was her. Gucci, Gucci, yeah. Fendi, Fendi, Prada. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, this week we're talking um, fashion about the uh, late, great Andre Leon Talley. Um, 
we um this was one of your episode picks that you wanted to do that you almost wanted to do way back when um he first passed in january right. passed um, i think on the 18th at the age right. of 73 um they said that he died from like a combination of um covid and i think some like heart condition or something I feel like it was exactly heart condition. yeah it was, it was like a combination else. of yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's covid taking out the girl yeah. um and for those of you i mean i feel like most people should know andre leon talley especially they listen to us but i guess it's people don't like some girls form, i bet you, know, you they know that they knew yes. that girl's face if they, they saw like, her Yes, you know, or just her figure, her like figure, b- yeah. big black queen. Well, you know, well, she technically never fully identifies as a queen, but we'll get to that. But um, you know, who um for a long time was an editor at Vogue, um, and yes. spoke about fashion. Yes. Um, I don't know how you want to do her title. Yeah, you, she, so she was first. She was a creative. She had a number of titles at Vogue, but she was a creative. Yeah, she was a creative. Part. I was director. like, she was editor at large, and then and she, and she ended as editor one, at right? large. So when her tenure at Vogue, mm-hmm. she ended. At editor at large so she was really like the top three people at vogue were like anna winter is the editor-in-chief and then andre leon talley and then grace coddington who mm-hmm. had the red hair who had the red hair yeah, yeah. and yeah. if you watch the september issue um that documentary which was filmed in 07 but i don't know what year it actually came out it might have been like 08 09 even 2010 that like you'll mm-hmm. see the inner workings of Vogue at the time, and Andre Leontelli is featured prominently in that, and of course Anna Winter, which that was kind of like the September issue was like her, her like rehab rehabbing her image because after the Devil Wears Prada, <laughs> which came out in 06, which Meryl Streep's character is based off of her and her being like this, which was based off a book again, yeah, with uh, by the someone who was one of her assistants, was it? I, I think so. Really? Yeah, yeah, and it's right. based off her, and she had. She did the September issue talking about the, you know, it's all about like coming up with the editorial and the pages for the September 2007 issue of Vogue, which if anybody knows, the September issue is the biggest fashion issue, like the fall fashion issue. And I think that one had Sienna Miller on the cover of it. Mm. And um, and so like that was like her. But I will say just real quick. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm also like, I've still heard stories that like there were people who I think were I think someone told a story once to me about how like one time she fell and like no one someone was like oh i didn't help like someone she fell near someone who was like a low-level sister or something and they were like oh i didn't go help her because i didn't i wasn't supposed to look at her and like her boss told her that was the right thing to do you should not have interacted with her even though she fell it's like there's stuff like that that like i think some of those things in delaware's product were real about like you weren't supposed to look her in the eye you were like have you ever heard any of those stories girl you know i haven't heard any no, of them like no. personally no. I, I but i believe a lot of them in in in, yes. the, in the september issue it seems like she's trying to like be normal in it and treat people well and not <laughs> yeah, yell at anybody I don't believe or anything that. Like, but that was totally all because here is the real deal here's what my theory is on vogue how the vogue how vogue was okay anna winter became editor in chief i think in 1988 um and so, and she upgraded Andre Leontali. She really is like she did upgrade Andre Leontali every time she like when she moved into uh, that role. She did in terms uh, of his role. No, no, no. I would say wouldn't um, what's her face um, Diana Vreeland but be the he, upgrade? So that's not, so he met Diana Vreeland after she had already left Vogue and she was at the Costume Institute at the Met, right? Yeah, Diana Vreeland wasn't in charge of Vogue at the time. It was when he first got there. It was Grace Mirabella. 
And then Grace Mirabella yeah. didn't like Andre Leon Talley. Didn't get him. Yes, but agreed. Anna Winter was just under her at first, and she's the one who kept Andre Leon Talley closed and saved his position there. And then when she ascended to editor-in-chief, yeah. she raised his profile and made him creative director. So Anna Winter really mm, is, for okay. all the things that you know we may say about her and how terrible she was, and even how terrible at some point she was to him, mm. she elevated his status at Vogue. And it's interesting because when I was I when I was a, like in middle school, high school, like in you know in the in the nineties, like in the late nineties and early two thousands, I used to watch like House of Style and MTV, and I used to watch the E Channel, and when they would go like in the backstage of the New York Fashion Week and the Paris Fashion Week. And I my theory is that back then, like in the nineties, in the, even though Anna Winter was the queen of the fashion industry, being the editor in chief at Vogue, and in the insular fashion industry she was like the one, the the person. To the outside world, I think that the most prominent person at Vogue was Andre Leon Talley to the outside world in terms of like people associating with mm. Vogue because he was this big black man. He was the only black man there, right? Like in that, in the, the mm. highest ranking black man in the fashion industry. And like, you know, it's easier to remember, like when I would watch it in the mid to late 90s, like I would watch like the fashion file on E and all that. I remember the big black man. I didn't remember the little lady with the bob, you know? I remember that big black man <laughs> mm-hmm. who was larger than life. And if, like, you ask somebody in, like, like a little queen and, like, or a little fashion girl in, like, Texas or Iowa or whatever, mm-hmm. they probably, like, if they could picture someone from Vogue, it was probably him. I bet mm-hmm. you he was the most... It's- Especially to black yes. people, it was, it was Miss Andre, Andre. and I knew her, and I knew Andre Leontali's name. I didn't know Anna Winter's name probably till I was more like in high school oh, or college. Even I didn't know her name. I just knew the lady with the bob because mm-hmm. they would always be standing next to each other and sitting next to each other on the shows. But see, Anna Winter wouldn't grant interviews yeah. to all. The other thing was that Anna Winter wouldn't talk to E. She wouldn't talk to MTV's House of Style, and Andre Leontali would always give them interviews. So he was actually way more. You know, I think. I think Anna Wintour's profile was raised by the Devil Wears Prada, actually. I think that's when she started to become a household name to oh, the rest yes. of us. And that oh, wasn't yes. until 2006. Oh, yes. Andre Leontali, I knew that girl in the 90s, right? And I looked up to her and I thought she was mm-hmm. so fab. Mm-hmm. This black. Could you see him in pictures with all yes. the supermodels? Like he, he was just there. there. And I feel like Anna was way more distant to them. Like she was not as approachable exactly. as he was. I feel like they would you would approach Andre Leon Talley and then you would be able to approach Yeah, Anna. definitely. I mean he was definitely way more approachable, way more friendly, way more accessible to even us as the public, but especially even to the girls in the fashion industry mm-hmm. itself, right? Unless you I think that's why so many of them remember him exactly. so fondly. Like, as I was telling you before we recorded, like, how Kamarly, um, well, is it still Kamarly Simmons? Is that her last she, name? she still uses she that because I think her kid. No, because I think she still okay. uses that name. Um, yeah. Right. So she wrote this really long um, piece kind of remembering him for Ebony. Like, I know Naomi Campbell wrote about him. Like, a lot of the fashion girls were definitely inspired by him. But, um, yeah, they, those girls were hurting definitely because we lost him. We lost Virgil in November and then Terry Mugler Terry Mugler died like literally like a a baby exactly. a week after so yeah. it's like there was a lot of yeah. deaths in the fashion industry that was um, really hard but you know all those like the black I think like even P. Diddy you know like Andre Leontali encouraged him to get further into the fashion industry or 
all of those mm. i think a lot of those like black fashion fashionistas like who got heavy into the industry i think andre leontali kanye i think he definitely inspired I too, kanye. I think andre leontali you know forever you might feel how, about him yeah because i know I you have conflicted feelings feel great about that girl, I don't have no conflicted feelings. I can't stand that girl. She's damn near abusing her wife on. Oh no no no, Kanye, anyway. not a Kanye. No, I'm talking about Andre <laughs> right. Lentali. Yeah. Oh, um, you know I don't like Kanye either. So yeah, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. get to that. Uh, but I think I I've come out on the more positive side. Yes. We'll yeah. So exactly. So just how this girl started off? Like she was born. Um, she was born in 1948 in D.C. But quickly, you know, mm-hmm. was sent to live with her grandmother in Durham, North Carolina, and she grew up. In the segregated South. Because her dad was a cab yeah, driver, Yeah, her dad right? was a cab driver in D.C. And her mom was trying to pursue, like, mm-hmm. a career in D.C. too, probably in government or something. She didn't have any time to raise mm-hmm. any kids. So she sent she sent him to live with his mm-hmm. grandmother, who raised him, and completely. And they were like, you know, they just had each other. They, it was just the two of them. Oh, he loved that he lady. He really loved her. And, in fact, she was, in fact, what she did, she was a maid in the men's dorm at Duke University. You know, mm-hmm. and he lived right near the Duke mm-hmm. University campus. And he talked about, like, the main thing his grandmother, she was a maid. They weren't poor, but they weren't rich, right? They were just, like, you know, like, mm-hmm. probably, wor- you know, she was working class. And she would make him mm-hmm. a plate of biscuits on Sunday morning. And he would he would eat the whole thing, all 12 biscuits. And then they would go to church every Ooh. Sunday and get in their Sunday best. And that was, like, their ritual, like, where his grandmother was very exacting. She was all about, like, cleanliness, ironing everything. Everything had to be pristine. And she was a church lady with her big old church hats, and they both got in their Sunday best. And that was, like, for black people at the time, that was their day of rest and also of, like, displaying like dandyism and you know and their beauty and being in their sunday best for god and showing you know and that was Mm -hmm. their day to be elevated and have a little bit of luxury in their lives was a sunday and he would he would talk about like after and we got i get a lot of this from his documentary the gospel according to andre which is available on hbo max for the girls who Mm want to watch it um do you remember when that came out, girl? It oh, came like, out um, in a like ago, a few years, maybe 2017 or 18. I know it was filmed. Yeah, I'll get the exact date. It was, filmed, prim- it was filmed in 2016 and 17 because it's filmed during the 2016 election where he's on pins and needles, right? And we right. see where Hillary lost. Ooh, and he, yes. you know, but that um, was some tea, too. And. Um, <clears throat> but he did like what Ivanka wore. Or he liked what um, Melania. I know we get those girls confused. <laughs> Melania, all oh, those. Melania, girls. Melania. It came out in um April okay, twenty eighteen. And I know, yeah. I mean, I can't lie. Melania she was, was serving. serving Melania served <laughs> on inauguration. She was serving though. She said, "If I'm gonna go down, <laughs> if I'm gonna go to this hell, I'm gonna look good doing it." I think he and Melania oh, now man. are essentially living separate lives right now. I think they're not even like really together. I don't think yeah. I don't think Melania is really she's only with him like on I paper. Could, I now. could see that. I don't think Melania and him are like together anymore though. Oh man, what is she? Oh man, what if he really tries to run again? If he's able to evade all these <laughs> court cases, I wonder what she's gonna do. I wonder if she's praying for. Well, her she's she him wants him to get, him to get indicted or die. Like Melania is so done with him. She wants him yeah. to be. She, she don't, don't want to go back oh, in that man, White House. She do not want to be on that campaign she, trail again. Sure she don't. probably won't even do campaign sure events, don't. I bet, anymore. Even if he were to run again, she won't even do them. Yeah. But it's so interesting because, yeah, it takes nope. place during the 2016 election season. 
Um, and he just talks a little bit about his background. So like he, you know, his, his grandmother was a, uh, a maid in the men's dorm at Duke university. And interestingly enough, like after Sunday, after church, he would walk to a newsstand or a library near, uh, Duke university where he would get his Vogue magazines on Sundays. Cause I guess it was a weekly magazine at that point. And some white guys from mm-hmm. Duke university were threw rocks at him just for being black and walk, you know, and being on their campus. So that was just one of his memories, you know, and he also grew up in a segregated South where he went to all segregated schools. He went to an HBCU, North Carolina Central University for his undergrad before saying that he had to get out of Durham. He knew he had to get out of Durham. And the one thing, the one way he really knew he had to get out of Durham was when his mom came back to town. She went to church with him and his grandmother and he had on like a long, he started buying it from thrift stores and buying unique outfits. And he had like a long mm-hmm, petticoat mm-hmm. blue. And his mom said, I can't go with, in the church with you like that. Walk behind me. But what was interesting was who, who held his him down? Gra- his grandmother it? had his back. His grandmother had his mm-hmm. back. Leave him alone. She didn't want. She didn't want him to yeah, leave. Yeah, and so, yeah. but he he was like, okay, that was my clue. I had to get out of Durham and went up to Brown University to do his yeah. masters in French. Oh, I hate when mothers aren't aren't there for it their children. Frequently. I hate that shit. I mean, I hate it when just parents in general. But and anyway. another thing that he kind of doesn't talk about in the documentary, but that is mentioned in his book, that he was he was heavily sexually abused starting at the age of nine years old, and yes, oh my God, by, by men who? in the by like. A family friend who's a man, and by he said by other oh. men and teenage boys in the neighborhood who sexually abused him in like a shed behind his house, and you know, and I think that was one of oh, the Lord. that was that stunted him, and I think that's one of the reasons why he never really was able to get into healthy sexual relationships as an adult and and, and find love yes. because of that abuse from when he was young, you know. And he doesn't mention that documentary, but if you read his yeah. book, it's in there. And so he went off to Brown University for his master's in French, and he befriended the a bunch of, you know, girls from Rhode Island School of Design, which is really literally right next door to Brown. It's almost like Penn and Drexel are right next door to each other. That's kind of how I met Miss Malcolm M.J. Harris, mm-hmm. like, and some of the Drexel girls, and you're friends with some of the Drexel girls, too. You were in a fraternity with some of those girls, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. RISD and... RISD and Brown are right next to each other like that. And he befriended a bunch of, like, kooky, artsy girls and started like they fashion Fashion girls girls. and he started you know he started kind of like getting more and more into like dressing up and you know met some rich new york based girls and one of them i think one of their dads wrote him a letter of reference to diana vreeland who was the former editor-in-chief of vogue and was now over the costume costume institute in new york at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York, basically like the the entity that hosts the Met Gala every year, which now Anna Wintour is over. But at the time, Diana Vreeland, who had retired from Vogue, was over it. And he went and got in a reference and started doing... But Diana Vreeland was, was a fierce bitch. She was fierce. So. Yeah, Diana Vreeland was really yeah, fierce. She was a fierce bitch. Look her up if you don't know her. She was she was um the character of um Edna Moe from um um The Incredibles was based off of her. Like that kind of like the kind of yeah. Anyway, with the big big round glasses, but she didn't always wear glasses. But, and so know. she and so <laughs> she um she had him working on like recreating this costume from a famous movie, and he did an impeccable job. And she pointed to him and she said, "Look, you, you come with me." And he became her right hand. 
you know, her right hand assistant mm-hmm. from then on. And then that later that year, because it was an unpaid role in New York, I don't even know how he made it through, but he she was able to find him a job and get him a job, you know, at Interview Magazine, working on where Andy Warhol was the editor in chief at the time. So she got him a job first as a receptionist mm-hmm. there, and then he became a, a writer and a columnist there at Inter- Interview, particularly a style and fashion columnist. And that is how his whole journalism career got started. And so really, mm-hmm. like, how, mm-hmm. in part, like, being in the right place at the right time at Brown, you know, next to RISD, meeting those rich New York fashion girls who fell in love with him, studying French. And that's she's that's part of the reason why Miss Andre Leontali is a girl after my own heart, because she's a Francophile just like me. Mm-hmm. Get you into know? And one of the things she said at the beginning mm-hmm. of her documentary that really resonated with me, too, is I don't live for fashion. You know, I was a vote. I was voted best dressed, most materialistic at my high school back in you know 2003 and mind you that's a big deal because my high school like the ford family from ford motor company was at my high school there were some really rich trust fund girls in my mm-hmm. high school mm-hmm. and they still voted me most materialistic and best dressed so that's saying something so i was really into that type of tea and something she said but it wasn't really just fashion for me it was something else mm-hmm. for me that she really that she says at the beginning of her documentary that resonates with me. She said, "I don't live for fashion. I live for beauty and style. Fashion is fleeting, but style mm-hmm. remains. I think that beauty comes in many forms. Mm-hmm. It could be a flower. It could be a gesture. That's one of the reasons. Like I love, I love like having like fresh flowers on my dining room table. That type of tea. And she said it could be so many mm-hmm. things. And she says this Voltaire quote from one of my favorite books, Candide by Voltaire. She says, "Il faut cultiver notre jardin," which means it it is necessary to cultivate one's garden and to share it with those you love share the the fruits of that garden with other people that you love and she just wants to share beauty with the world that's just something that really resonated with me oh that's good sis you did that girl yeah and um so like (laughs) no i'm not trying to so i mean so she so she goes from from interview and then she gets a job at Women's Wear Daily and she's the Paris correspondent. She's the Paris bureau chief for William, William uh, Women's Wear Daily, which is a huge deal. Like, especially as a black man, right? That's like unheard of. She's front row at the couture shows in Paris. And, you know, and what's really impressive, like in this documentary in particular, the kind of people who are, she became friends with, she was already friends with Andy Warhol and Halston in New York from her interview days. But then she becomes friends with mm-hmm, Yves Saint Laurent mm-hmm. who's like the two kings of fashion at that mm-hmm. period were Yves Saint Laurent and Halston in New York and Yves Saint Laurent in Paris and she would be friends him you know it, oddly enough she actually gets accused by people in the Yves Saint Laurent organization of stealing some of his sketches and selling them to Givenchy um, and so and somebody from the Yves Saint Laurent or, organization like calls him Queen Kong another one calls them the N-word mm-hmm. because they, they accuse him Ooh, that one hurt. That was that was one of the moments, and that, that definitely happens in the documentary where she kind of breaks down. I think it kind of hits her, and there are little moments already throughout where you kind of realize that that girl lived a very solid, solid. I don't want to say yeah, solitary, solitary life. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, as a, like being the only in so many of those spaces, and the ways in which she was also a not only a big personality but unmistakably almost like she leaned into it. But there, I feel like you saw the wounds, you saw the scars, because the other thing that she talked about was when she was working under Diana Vreeland, like people thought, oh, right. you were sleeping with her. They thought you were sleeping with um, 
Oh my goodness, who's um? Sleep with Carl Lag- Carl Lagerfeld. Who's other big fashion great? Yeah, Carl Lagerfeld. They basically accused yeah, her of being so they like became, a Mandingo. They, it off they basically accused interview. that girl of being like a Mandingo or yes, like you know yes. a black buck. Like how how could you actually be exactly. good at your job? Were, those girls are jealous, um, but white jealousy. So yeah, that, I heard. The, I white jealousy—that's what white jealousy gives, right? That's yeah. why you have to like use up white people before they use you up. Is really what you have to do because really you got to remember those <laughs> okay, girls are from the caves, story? right? So it was like hard and you're. It's, oh, it was no. hard Don't in the ice age right and now. stuff in Europe Don't for those girls. Right That's why they're so ruthless. <laughs> no, Not I'm the reverse ethnography. <laughs> those girls are from the caves. Remember, Africa had plentiful everything. Plentiful, plentiful oh, rain, plentiful yes. food, fertile soil. Right, Africa had everything. She it was said, easy for us in Africa. Are... That's why. That's why when when the when the the white devils came to Africa and the Tubab came to Africa <laughs> to take us and change in slavery, we the problem was we were too nice to them. We were hospitable. We didn't start shooting them immediately on sight because. <laughs> Because we had, we had too, too much, much to share. To share. Like, take it all. Take in the us cave, with you. They had to hibernate like bears because it was a hard life in Europe. So you have to remember, <laughs> okay. like, you have to, you Stay don't. Stay on to yeah. get back so anyway. on track. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll let you do your ethnography episode. There is something yeah. there about how um, interesting, like, looking at but Europe, especially looking people at, like, are the savages. UK and Britain with the infighting. That's why they're savages. <laughs> But anyway, like, but no, right like now. the the commentators in the documentary, like Mark Jacobs, Tom Ford, Anna Winter talked about her positive, Valentino Garavani, you know, um, the Rockstud Sandals type of girl in the Rockstud Bags girl. Did you see her? Did you see, I don't know, did you see her friend was in there? The one yes. who later yes. was jo- suing her? Miss Marcel? George Malcolmus, yes. Who what? was a... Uh, yeah, but oh, guess, guess what? I, um, I just read that girl died in September 2021. So, yeah, she did. I was I literally was wondering. I was like, I wonder if the lawsuit went because she was they were suing. So the girl in later in life, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but later in life, um, she was staying. She has to be this beautiful house in White Plains, New York. And apparently she didn't necessarily own it, um, although she had paid so much money into it and done so much renovation. So her former friend started suing her because they wanted to take it over um but they ended up dying well one of them ended exactly. up exactly yeah, it was a couple and the main oh. one who was he was the head of manolo blahnik at one time and then he be he became manolo the head blahnik, of, uh, yes. sjp at the sarah jessica parker shoe line and he died suddenly of cancer in september 2021 so i think that's how the lawsuit mm-hmm. ended up getting settled by november 2021 because the partner was just like whatever you know and i think what it is is andrew lee andrew lee and Tally thought he was buying the house on what's called the land contract and that they were just securing the house for him because andre leon Tally, to be fair she filed bankruptcy in like 1993 1997 1998 because she was living she was buying she was getting these caftans and these these crocodile jackets made by prada and i think <sighs> some stuff she got for free for sure for being I always thought those, those girls would make her Sometimes, that stuff for free. I think if she think would get were... stuff that was ready to wear for free, but when she would ask for like a couture uh, crocodile jacket from Azadini Alaya, I think she'd have to pay yes. for that. And she left her caption. She, she, she said she wanted to get buried in a caption. I she'd have to pay for some of that. And oh. I think what it was is like, she was so, only like toward the end of her tenure at Vogue, you know, she like, she was making about $300,000 a year. And so... So the girls just not manage their money well because is it is well, that what it is? Her, is it like they, she's, 
Especially fashion. Fashion is an expensive, is an expensive thing to be in, and she wasn't being paid enough. And what she found out later, after she left Vogue later on, was that there were some editors that were making nine hundred thousand a year, like Stop. white oh. woman, and she was like the second person in charge oh, at Vogue, no. the second or third in charge, and there were other editors there making more than her. And how much? And how much do you think she like? How well, much? She was making about three hundred thousand. She was making half of what they were making. Three hundred. Oh my gosh! Not three. So times some of those white less. women there were quarter, making three uh, times third more less. than her. What about that, Anna? Where's that? Well, Sorry. Diana's already dead, and by 1989, she already died. So it was really Anna when, oh, no, Anna went Anna. tour. No, no, so I'm Anna went tour like yeah, no, simultaneously, like kind of like elevated her, but then also screwed her over. Why aren't you paying this girl more? She's yes. up so high. We know but I why. Get, you know. Yeah, because she, she had Anna Wintour has issues. I mean, it was because she kind of talks about it. She said Anna Wintour has like she is like a complicated has, figure. Anna Wintour comes from money, comes from elite right. whiteness, and she even talks about this. She talks about it in interviews, and she talks about it in her book. She's like she's almost and that. I, I'm sure you'll get to it at some point, so I don't want to rush ahead. But she talks about how, like, her perspective of the world and how she looks at it. Like, she doesn't even understand, can't even can't even pretend to understand what a black perspective is or another perspective because she comes from such a Well, she's a colonialism line. girl. She's um, from the I UK. I think there's almost a little she's bit of... She's from the UK, first off. And then, so she's a colonialism girl. <laughs> and I think there's almost a little bit of, there's a little bit of, like, I don't want to say awe there that I get sometimes when he she's talks Dane about Anna Wintour. Because in some ways, those she's are... She's Anna Wintour. And her yeah. dad was a big newspaper editor in London, so she comes from wealth and privilege. And so, yeah. mind you, she's like how the royal family treated yeah. Meghan Markle. Like, it's that, you know, it's like that same type of tea <laughs> with those girls over there. That's why I boycotted yeah. London. I don't fuck with those. You know, I went there three times in a row yeah. in, in two years, but then I, I've been boycotting it since COVID. So. Mm. So where did you where do you want to go with Andre? Well, now? I just like she retired um, from Vogue in 2013, and mm-hmm. she was living her quiet life in. You know, I think that wasn't that wasn't an easy retirement. That was probably related to like some some. I feel like some conflict. With I don't Anna think too, it quite it? Was. I was. I mean, I don't she know the had full story. A but, long time yeah. since the late 80s. Well, she was like she went there. Oh wait, but then she retired, and then she went back, and then well, she, she left again. Yeah, so she I had like a two, had a weird, she had like a world. two year stint somewhere else. But basically, other than that, she was there from from like the eighties to twenty thirteen. So she did a long stint there. I mean, she like. Yeah, that's true. And also, she wanted more money. Cause I think she even went to like a rush, like Vogue Russia. Yeah. Or she tried to do another, a couple of different so I think other she did, outlets, And she so. still was doing, yeah, like, she was still to going it. to the shows. Sometimes she was still sitting front row next to Anna, even after she left, like, in the, in, you know, before COVID, like in 2014, 15, 16. She was still front row. Even though she wasn't at Vogue anymore, she was still friendly with Anna, but she said Anna kind of, just like Carl Lagerfeld did, who kind of threw their friendship away, even though she was so close to that girl. Anna Wintour kind of like was so cold to her after she left too. And, but she still like, for instance, she was, she was doing the interviews on the runway for the Met Gala, which Anna controls every year. And, and one year Anna just mm. ripped it from her and gave it to some like YouTuber, you know. Oh, yes. Gave it to Lisa, Liza Koshi, or Co, whatever. She's like, yeah, she is a YouTuber. So, yeah. Yeah. That was so weird. her and Anna just have. That happened recently. That was recent. Yeah, Very like recently. I think probably 2018 or somewhere like in the year before COVID. Yeah, probably like right a couple years. Yeah, so yeah, it's exactly. just interesting because like her and Anna have this like, but I, it's some like I think Anna was also like was kind of like you know like elitist in terms of like 
also like a size girl. Like Anna was always trying to get her to lose weight. She was paying for Andre to go down to the Duke Center yes. for weight loss. She would have Condé yes. Nast. They had an intervention. Pay. They had an intervention. And Anna Winter, but see, I think Anna Winter also too. Like she has a little. She's not like an explicit racist. She has like unconscious racism tea, right? And she, I think she's even acknowledged it in recent years. But like she probably thought, okay, Andre Leontali. He makes 300000 a year. He gets all these free perks and all these free gifts from the fashion labels. And at that time, when he was at Vogue, he was getting a driver. He was getting, like, a, a closed budget, too. Like, he was getting, you know, he was getting a lot of perks, a meal budget, lunches paid for. She probably thought between all his perks and everything that he was well compensated. But clearly, you know, not as well compensated as some other people at Vogue, which is not totally unfair. And... Probably could he probably could have had a racial discrimination mm. lawsuit had he found that out earlier, you know, against Vogue and against Anna. Yeah. And it's interesting because even though he went in on her and how close she was to him, and you know, a, you know, in twenty twenty with the release of his book, then when she got accused of more racism, he actually came to her defense and reminded people that she's the one who elevated mm. him to creative director at Vogue and put him in that position. Mm. So it was like, and they actually made up, I heard they actually made up in the months before he passed away, which part of me is kind of happy about because they were literally, you know, it was a toxic relationship in certain ways. And yet they were together all the time. When you saw one, you saw the other at most points. Like they, yeah. I, someone, Someone made this tweet, and I can never not think about it anymore. Especially, I recently rewatched Devil Wears Prada. She had like on the plane back from mm-hmm. Mexico City. Yeah, girls, I was in Mexico City for a little bit. It was cute, good who food. Did, who anyway. would you? Ooh, um, give me just a, who would you go? I don't even. You didn't tell me who you went. Oh, I went with some of my. I went with you know. I do occasionally. I do have some good LA Judies, and I one of them basically is taking a sabbatical, and she was like, "I'm gonna live in Mexico City for two months because I'm over it was LA a fish or a queen? and work, and I'm gonna find herself." It was oh, a woman okay, okay, fish, okay. <laughs> um, and so then me and another girlfriend went to go see her. Like basically, the three of us oh, all worked together at a talent agency okay. back in the day. Um and and she's like fluent in Spanish so it's like even oh, easier. Oh good, so. I want to hear about uh, that. And then we ran into a bunch of like black. Yeah, well, I, we may didn't talk a lot about. We it. talk about it offline, um, girl. But yeah, I ran into a bunch yeah, of black expats. But um, yeah, yeah, it was cute. It was cute. Um, but I was watching there was part on the way back, and I'll never forget someone. This was in the thing after was like how Stanley Tucci essentially is the role of Andre uh. Leon Talley, but it's like. Not even in Devil Wears Prada did they even have a black person. Like, they had a white person play him. And even in that thing where it's like, we're kind of doing Vogue, we still don't... He's not even there. He's not even in that interpretation of it. Because think about in that film how, like, he basically gets passed over yes, for the editorial yes. position. And that's the whole reason why... Um, uh, the... Uh, that, what's her name? Uh, uh, Miranda Priest. Miranda Priest. <laughs> uh, anyway... Is, is Meryl Streep's character? Oh no no no! The, her rival, her, um, the one who was at French assistant. Vogue. I don't remember that girl's name. Yeah, well, that's the role that they, that she was gonna she give. Was gonna, to yeah, he was gonna be over like the French, over. or I think he was oh. gonna be over like the French Vogue or something. Or no, he was gonna be over not the French Vogue, but there was like a uh He was gonna head up a label oh, of a yes. n- young upstart. And they designer. gave it to the editor of French Vogue um, because the the publisher yes, because she potentially was going to come take, take over, over yes, uh, Miranda Priestley's job right and Anna Winter is mm-hmm. you know but mm-hmm. I will say this I do think that um because I don't think Andre Leon Talley I don't I don't think they ever would have made him editor a uh, chief of Vogue per se 
But because I think. But, I don't know that he would have wanted it. Yes. Well, first of all, Anna Winter is not exactly. letting anybody be editor in chief exactly. of Vogue so until she's ready to retire on, on her own terms, right? But it was probably going to be someone mm. like young, young, in that you know she's not gonna she's not gonna like have a competitor come and take her spot. But I will say, Anna mm. Anna Winter also had this this huge rivalry with the editor of Harper's Bazaar. Her name was Liz Tilbaris, who was actually. Um, British too, but who ended up dying of breast cancer was really sad. But her and Anna Winter were like arch arch enemies because Anna Winter always viewed her as a threat. But of course, Anna Winter said nice things when she passed away from breast cancer. But you know, but of course, that was like her arch enemy it was kind of interesting. With them, the thing is, is that I do think that what's one nice thing that I think we owe to Andre Leontali is Edward Enifil, who's the editor in chief at British Vogue a black man, I don't think he would have mm. ever got that position if it weren't for, you know, the tenure of Andre Leontali and them seeing the successful black man in an editor role at a major Vogue magazine under Condé Nast, which also runs all the Vogues. I think mm. Edward Enfield, he owns a lot to Andre Leontali, as does the girl from Balmain. What's the girl who messed up her face real bad? Or, no, I'm sorry, she... Um, well, she had an accident. What's the girl from Balmain? Um, a black designer. She's she's real real cute. Uh, Olivier oh, Roustain. I can't think of that girl. Olivier Roustain. Yeah, oh, yeah I don't know she didn't mess up her face just about plastic mm. surgery. She actually had an accident. I found out later because I used to think she messed her face up real bad. Oh, and then goodness. it was um and then the girl who just died, Virgil Abloh. Like I think all of them, Kanye, P Diddy, when he got into higher fashion, a lot of those yeah. girls. I think they really. Even though Andre Leontali is not someone who talked about race explicitly a lot and was not, you know, talking about um, no. injustice, injustice, injustice. The girls asked Tamron Hall, asked her why she didn't, she wasn't that girl in the 80s and 90s. She said, well, it's still Vogue, darling. It's like, it's not like a place to be like, yeah. you know, the woke BLM type of girl. Like, she did things quietly behind the scenes. So she yeah, she has this great quote. Like, so there's yeah, that, I want to talk about that like, kind of legacy tea where she's talked about like you know she wasn't. She said literally says like I was not hired to be an advocate for blackness. I was hired because I was smart. I was hired because I was educated. People didn't see me as black, and that was unfortunate. I now realize maybe most of the world didn't see me as black until something went awry. Um, awry. Um, but she kind of talked about even with like when she worked for Andy Warhol, how she was like. I couldn't bring in like this whole troop of like, you know, young black people after me because, you know, blackness has to be aligned with whiteness in order to succeed. Um, because in some ways, the same way she kind of made that vote comment, she even back then saw and, you know, her, I think she said her grandfather was potentially a sharecropper. She came from the deep south. Like, I think she very much understood the world she was going into and felt like there was only going to be room for me. Now, uh, I, and but I think she, she pushed, was doing you know, stuff. She did, she did push for black designers and stylists. And I was about she helped to, in like in other parts of the industry. Say, like, she did help to promote, even though maybe not at the highest levels of editorial staff, like buyers, uh, designers, that kind of thing. I think she did help push mm. black people, especially black designers. See, I was even thinking about some of the creative things she did, like by putting Naomi yes. Campbell. It's like kind of reimagining all black yes. on with the wind. Yes. Um, having um, you know, Serena Williams yes. to close out Laquan Smith's you know fashion show. And she idolized um, the old the black models she too from back this. in the day. So she just loved like black models. She just it supported black mm-hmm. models. She really did. Yeah. So I mean, I think. There's a thing of like, I think one of my friends is doing a piece of saying like, did he do enough? 
I, I, I think he he did what he thought. Well, he did what he thought he could do. And I think that's something that is fair. I think that's and where I landed presence, with it. The question I almost kind of had a... Was an, I think he did do some things behind the scenes. And his presence yeah. also is what... Like, he paved the way. His presence did so much. Because I, I think about that. I was mentioning before we recorded how I have a friend who... Um, you know, is black queer and very much alike. Oh, where is the representation person? And they were very much inspired and comfortable to be themselves. And they're journalists. Um, her name is Travel Anderson, and they were comfortable to be themselves, partly because of having Andre Leon Talley as a kind of um, a example. Um, but I guess my question for you, girl, is: Do you think? Well, I think I kind of already know the answer. I don't think. Do you think you could have been in those spaces the way you think you could navigate those spaces the way he did? Or would you have would you have even wanted to? Well, I wouldn't have even wanted to, you know. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have even wanted to. Yeah. Also like, because those... I have I have my sexuality is yeah. probably more advanced and developed than his was. And that's one area that where hurt, I think he was think underdeveloped you... and I think but I think it kept him alive during the eighties and nineties girl because he said when he was at the studio fifty four, oh. he wasn't up on the sex floor in the balcony. Yeah. And getting dicked down or dicking no. people down. So he never, you know, he never got HIV before it became a chronic condition rather than a deadly one. And I yeah. think, you know, but his sexuality was disordered to me, too, because he was never uh, because of, I think because of his abuse. You know, I'm definitely I'm I've been mm. a gay girl since high I've been an openly gay girl since high school, just like you have. And, you know, thank, mm-hmm. thank God we came along at a later time when, you know, like when HIV yeah. wasn't a death sentence. But I there think was- for that girl she wasn't neither the she wasn't trying to always be the black girl and she wasn't always trying to be the queer girl either even though she was very visibly and obviously queer and i think i would have been both i think i would have been that girl and i would have been the and i think i I wonder if that i would have been the injustice 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 we need more black people i would have been that girl maybe but there was a different time we we can't apply our standards now to that time either yes that's true i wonder if also the fact that in some ways she was a bit more neutered also in the same way that she was almost a bit cut act, well, even though we know in reality, because she's opened up about it, she wasn't as colorblind as she appeared to be in the same way, but she was giving off that idea that she kind of it was a colorblind world. Or she's, oh, she's from know, a slave state, too, girl. White world. We're from free she, states. Like, that girl's from a slave state, too. So, like, you know what, what I'm that? saying? So, I mean, that she's, yeah. like, neutered, probably, too, because those girls from the South... Uh, Oh girl, oh girl! You know, like those girls from the south. <sighs> that's a long. That's another discussion. That's another. I, I was just gonna say Remember, in terms of I think I her sexuality being neutered. You know, like you know, I feel yeah. Girl, let me. I wonder her sexuality being neutered also kept her from almost being seen as a threat in those right, spaces. Right. But I mean, I don't know. You know, already she was this big right. presence and a big person, but it's like, oh well, she's not sexual, so that almost makes her her more comfortable. Uh, makes people more comfortable. But I mean, it came out like Andy um, Andy Warhol. She she never became a Buck or the Mandigo type T. But it wasn't that girls didn't try to make her that because Andy Warhol used to grab her crotch when she worked an interview and tried to sexually harass mm. her a number of times. She just never took to it. But I'm I'm kind of glad she was how she was at that period because she stayed alive through the AIDS era where we lost black girls like Patrick Kelly yeah, who was going to become. True. The Black Halston, the Black Eve Saint Laurent. He was going to be the biggest like black mm. designer out here, and we lost that girl to AIDS prematurely. Before I think that girl was even thirty years old. Yeah. So like, I'm glad she was. She was for her time. She was probably the girl that was needed for her time. Like you and me, we may not have made mm. it during that era, whereas she was able to make it. Mm. So yeah, mm. that's how I feel. 
And she made mm. it to her early 70s, even though, you know, with her weight issues and everything like that, she still made it to her yeah, early 70s. So I'm glad yeah. we were able to experience her throughout, you know, our young adult lives because she mm-hmm. was an inspiration because i saw i've been watching her since the mid 90s when i was a little boy and i saw her she was the face of the fashion industry mm. like editorial business to me before anna winter even she was that yeah. girl i knew it was possible yeah. i used to talk about i want to start my own fashion magazine at one time i only thought it was possible because i saw Aww. that girl so miss andre <laughs> I know one thing. I guess we maybe we could all just to wrap up. Name one thing we take away from that girl. I know for me, maybe I'm gonna start wearing some caftans more. Yeah, you know. I, but I got sent you. I got sent you a little bit. But I, I love you know. I love a good yes, rap. I love a yes. good throw. I love to flow. Yes, and go um, get you. Go get you a what's, cute. What's go get you, you a real, real bag in her honor, girl. Don't do <laughs> a Kate Spade, girl. Bitch, okay. I'm going to. Wait, oh, mate. We know we're supposed to be going to Paris. Oh, could, maybe we yes, should. Um, yes. Do yes, some shopping in Paris. Yes. That's a good. That'd be a good idea. Um, yeah, maybe I'll go do some shopping in Paris. Um, what is, is there anything you would take? You kind of want to take away with her passing? Also, oh, also another thing I take it away is that I called my trainer back. I was thinking about it on this episode. I was like, let me go see this trainer again, and you know, because yeah, we're getting older, yeah. girl. And well, no, I'm... That definitely, like, I think her grandmother's death affected her, but that girl had a lot. Yes, it's. The girl started rough eating those yeah. plate of biscuits, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you know, girl, believe me, I be, I'm closing my it's... my rings on my eye on my <laughs> Apple Watch every day, girl, thinking about what she went through. Like I focus on closing all those rings every single day. My fitness rings on my Apple Watch. Like I am not playing about that girl because that was scary. Like you know mm-hmm. what happened to her, and she just never was able to bring it back down. This is the time yeah. we got to do it, girl, because it yeah, don't get no easier. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, with that, girls, um, I think that's our show. Um, you can follow us on social media at To Save Queens. Um, make sure to hit the little, little notification bell to follow our thirst traps and whatever other mess Devro's mm-hmm. posting on there. Um, I hope y'all stay safe, healthy, and saved out there. I hope you enjoyed our little retrospective on the great Andre Leon Talley. I'll say as my final word, if you haven't, you know, seen the gospel according to Andre, um, our the gospel according to him, um, to look at that on HBO H- Max, HBO Max yeah. I think. Um, you could watch our words product again. <laughs> no, but um, also, yeah, just, I think just reading, there was been so many great pieces. Travel Anderson wrote a great piece about him, Kamora Lee. There's so many great write-ups. Um, so maybe just go back and look at some of those and be inspired to find some of that beauty in your life uh, or to find some of that beauty um, that's in in life. Um um, for the garden, <laughs> from the garden. Um, yeah, what I just about you, say, girl? I'm thankful, for this, I'm thankful for Miss Andre Leon Talley, and I feel like for me this year, in light of her passing, like this is the best way for me to close out Black History Month is with this tribute to her. I really feel so. Yeah, she was an inspiration mm. to me for sure. Even though That's I don't good. work in the fashion industry, like she was an early inspiration to me to even love fashion, be into fashion and beauty. Love that. Bye, bye, girls. <laughs>